Hello everyone, I'm so excited. This really is an important conversation we're about to have with Dan Doney, the CEO of Securency. We're talking about uh, securitizing tokens, you know, blockchain stuff. This is heady, important stuff. You don't want to miss this episode. Welcome to the Your Mark on the World show with your champion of social good, Devin D. Thorpe. This episode is made possible via the support of our sponsors, including Johnson & Johnson's Caring Crowd. Dan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Devin. It's really my pleasure to be here. Oh, my gosh, this, is, this really is such an important conversation. Uh, uh, there are just so many things that we need to talk about. I, I want to just jump right in. So, Dan... Uh, the SEC, um, even in just the last few days, has been uh, churning the waters around uh, ICOs, as we used to call them. I don't think many people are still using that term, but last year, that's what we called them. Uh, tell us about the regulation. What's going on in from the, an SEC standpoint? Well, so the, the SEC... SEC is doing uh, what it always has done, um, ensuring that it protects investors in the United States. And you find an important part of running an effective economy is to make sure that you protect uh, investors generally. This helps people confidently invest their, their money in, in good offerings, and they can have an assurance that they're being told the truth, um, that their money will be properly handled in that process, which is just key to unlocking a, a healthy economy. We learned lessons in the, the 1920s. Um, at the end of the 20s, there was uh, the Great Depression set in. Um, from the roaring 20s, many of the folks who had made money on Wall Street um, went out and, and preyed on uh, folks who were at the retirement phase and uh, sold them bad instruments, basically snake oil salesmen, to the extent that people were losing their life savings in this. And uh, Securities of Exchange Commission was formed and stepped in and, uh, in 1934. The act that, that really governed what a security is was passed to protect investors. Fast forward uh, 80 years and you find the space saying, hey, those rules never no, no longer apply. This is a new world. It's the blockchain community and uh, this is a, a different place. What you find is a substantial number of the offerings that came up in the space that ignored those rules uh, actually were uh, either fraudulent, money was mishandled, people were not easily held accountable. And so the SEC, of course, steps in. This is what happens without proper regulation. So the thought is not, um, do we ignore regulation? The regulations, the rules are there for a good reason. It's how you automate the, those rules that makes this very efficient. Makes it What ICOs uncovered and the reason for the excitement is it was a much more effective way to raise capital you found a much more direct connection between the issuers without as many intermediaries and the investors. That was exciting. You just had to build in and automate the actual protections. And that's what's so new and exciting about the security token space is you get the best of both worlds. Yeah. So uh, are all token offerings securities? It is possible that uh, there are offerings that are utility offerings that, that from the time when in, in generally in this case, it would be someone effectively purchasing a right to do something 
um, that they can use at that time where something would not be a security. But anytime someone is investing without participating actively for the purpose of uh, a return on their investment, it's a security. So if you're not investing for the purpose, if you're not putting your money into something for the purpose of a return, you know, what are you doing putting your money into that thing? So um, what you find is across the board, almost everything you see is in fact a security. And it, if you're not absolutely sure that it's not, then you should really treat it as one. Yeah, I think that's good advice. So uh, what does that mean? And I realize this is a bit of a tangent, so just give us the quick answer. Uh, what does it mean for people who are holding Bitcoin? Bitcoin's a great asset, but it is in fact an example of something that's not a security. So Bitcoin's value really is based on the utility of Bitcoin's blockchain network to move value efficiently. And so people want to have Bitcoin because they can easily move value based on, on the Bitcoin network. And so it's held that value, but the value is somewhat sub subjective, the utility of the Bitcoin network and subjective value is quite volatile. And so, you know, unfortunately at the time of uh, us filming this interview, Bitcoin is having an absolutely abysmal year, week, month. And uh, so this is a reflection of having assets whose uh, value is purely utility. But you're, in not fact, worried, you're not worried that the SEC is going to uh, uh, sort of retroactively try to uh, subject Bitcoin to offering rules and punish issuer or anything else? Uh, no, I'm not. Um, they've been, they've actually made it there's position on Bitcoin fairly clear. And um, so this makes us confident in, in the value of Bitcoin as a, a utility network. We love Bitcoin. We think it's a very powerful tool. It's certainly ushering in a whole new era, but we came into this market specifically because we didn't see assets that had investment characteristics that were investment grade, investment worthy, that would hold stable value over time. And in particular, income producing investments which have a natural price st stability because as their price goes down, their yield goes up. And uh, so we, we came into the market to, in 2015 to actually create those types of instruments, which are undoubtedly securities. Yeah. So uh, have you completed any offerings at this point at Securency? Yeah, we're, we're actually about to uh, issue our first tokens as part of an offering, Quantum Real Estate. And uh, that particular offering, again, is a security. We're building into it. Uh, one of the unique things about Securency as a platform is our ability to incorporate very complex securities laws into the tokens themselves, such that they govern themselves. So they only can participate in transactions between known and qualified users. And again, it's, this actually helps automate much of the compliance process. And, and so it's, it, it really is a new day. So this is know your customer, anti-money laundering, the KYC, AML kinds of things that people in the industry talk about, right? That's right, um, and more, right? So uh, there's accredited investor verifications. There's other limitations based on rule 144, the 12G1 rules. So there's a lot of rules that need to be enforced in the trade and transfer of security tokens. 
we produce nice, uh, easy, even, even a lawyer can read uh, the, the uh, rule sets that are attached to these tokens and that govern the token's behavior. So it makes it very easy for a regulator to look in and see that the token is behaving as it should. And uh, this, this again, um, is so much of an improvement on the old securities world. So there was very uneven practice in the old securities markets, traditional securities markets, in terms of the way that investors are onboarded and qualified in the process and rules are enforced. We've seen in our own experience, you go to 10 different law firms and you get 10 different answers in terms of the steps that you need to take. This makes it nice and easy and codifiable and repeatable. Now the rules are varied. There are many different instruments in the space. So you have to have a platform and a capability that can incorporate different types of securities. Um, now it sounds to me that what you're describing is a Reg D 506C offering. Uh, are you also using Reg A or A plus? Are you also using Reg CF? What uh, or are you registering these uh, under? Is it uh, Reg S, for, like you do, would do in a traditional IPO? Yes. So our our first is a Reg D. Uh, we will do, do a Reg S uh, as well that that follows this. Um, we're we've got a very exciting set of Reg CF offerings coming up. We've we've yet to do. Uh, a Reg A plus offering in the space, but, but we see that coming. There's no reason not to. Um, we're also based overseas, so we expect to incorporate overseas securities laws into the, the token offerings as well in the UK, uh, in the Middle East, and in Asia. Now, under Reg CF rules, it's interesting in that the original law anticipated that the securities would trade, which is interesting when you think about securities that are issued in such a small dollar value, you know, a million dollar offering that might trade, but only after a year. Have you built those nuances into those uh, coins or those tokens? We have, yes. And, and in fact, and I'll give you a couple of those nuances just to, to get a little bit technical on this. Please. But it, it actually, what's, what's cool about it is Reg CF, Envision is a great law because it helps bring more people into the in investment world. And unfortunately, under the, the old regulations, you had to be accredited. So you had to have a certain amount of wealth before you could participate in the upside of, of many early offerings, which meant that many people were excluded from the benefits of these early offerings. And Reg CF was really intended to overcome that. However, the size limit of a million dollars associated with these offerings was impractical to enforce. Uh, so the, the cost of making sure that you had a, uh, a compliant offering starts to significantly cut into the size of the offering itself. And this is what's so exciting about the security token world. Based on, on the power of our platform, and, and there are others in the space as well, we are so significantly driving down the cost of capital formation that it actually becomes practical to work in the Reg CF space. And what that means is we open up whole new venues for people to raise capital, to prove out their good ideas. And of course, that new liquidity is really causes a, a birth or a rebirth of, of innovation. So it's very exciting from an economy perspective to be able to uncover and finally unleash the power of the regulation, the intent of the Reg CF rules. Now, there's a couple of things that you have to do in any case, uh, just, just to give you one of the technicalities. You, you need to know who holds your security, 
Uh, it's a very important, uh, when securities are easily transferred as if they were currencies, you start to run into Bank Secrecy Act um, considerations associated with these securities. And, and of course, that's not something you would practically get with a piece of paper um, as, as a security. But you still need to know your customer. You need to know, even after issuance, who holds those tokens for a wide range of different reporting requirements, not to mention uh, cap capital gains, uh, tax reporting, et cetera. And so, for investor so communications. Investor communications is, is another one, um, governance and investor proxy voting, et cetera. We've built all these into a nice, easy platform. It's striking how much uh, back office functions, which tended to be performed by the investment banks and at great cost, suddenly become very cheap, expensive, and highly accessible. And, and the cool thing from an impact perspective, Devin, I know this is an interest of yours, is instead of these sophisticated financial services really being limited to the world's financial centers, you have to be tied into New York or London or Tokyo or Singapore, suddenly, because of the power and reach of blockchain, these are available to folks globally. And this really opens up a whole new set of possibilities and, and uh, there is a major impact associated with, with this model. Yeah, it is, it's fascinating. So, Securency is principally a technology provider. Are you also registered with, as a broker-dealer with FINRA, or are you partnering with other people who are? How does that work? Yeah, that's exactly right. So we, we are a technology provider to folks who are registered as, as broker-dealers. So our typical customer base is the broker-dealers who are looking to move into the new, uh, get the benefits of low-cost issuances, and who are looking to move into this new uh, blockchain-enabled world. So you could also, in theory, partner with a uh, Reg CF portal, or is it platform? I always forget the word in the regulation. But Portal, and um, there are a, a number of those now as we're in discussions and some advanced discussions exactly in that regard. You should see something coming in January. I'm, I'm very excited to, to follow that. Uh, very, very exciting. I, you know, for real startups, uh, early stage startups, you know, that first million dollars is really important and making that affordable and executable, uh, uh, that, that's exciting stuff to me. Yeah, I, I want to underscore the, the importance of that point. This is where most exploitation occurs. Uh, it's, it's where, um, you know, frankly, someone who's junior doesn't know how to raise the capital um, is just uh, taken by uh, venture capitalists, nothing against venture capitalists. They are um, seasoned and responsible in what they do. However, it's where people lose a lot of their equity and then um, don't have what they need to really take full advantage of the value that they bring to the market. It's the same exploitation. We actually started our uh, crypto issuances, our, our token issuances around the topic of developing world farm finance. Um, as, as I think I mentioned this to you, uh, before the interview, we were working with farmers um, in Pakistan and Thailand to help get them low-cost credit um, with securitized lending pools. And um, the impact and reach of these models, there's simply no way that the, the table stakes in New York City for a securitized lending pool is $500 million. That's simply you know, beyond the GNP of many of these countries. Lack of access to capital results in exploitation in, in the worst sort of ways um, in many parts of the world, um, whether it's 
in the the startup world uh, exploitation or people just getting the the low cost capital that they need for the seeds and fertilizer for the coming year. Um, this is a new model, and really, finally, we can help bring an end to to some of the exploitation that occurs in those settings. Obviously, one of the really fascinating things about what you're doing is cross-border work. There is an SEC or a similar regulatory body in virtually every country in the world. So you've got to deal with this 182 times or something. That's right. How's that going? Where are we in that process? Yeah. Um, so there's really two sides to any securities transaction. There's the issuer and the jurisdiction that they fall under, and then the investor in the jurisdiction that they fall under. And, and this was the, the long pole. As I mentioned, we came into the market in 2015, um, showed that we could produce security tokens. Tokenization is easy. The compliance piece is hard precisely because of the global reach of the blockchain. It's both an advantage and it's also a barrier to entry. So it took us some time to build out the kinds of frameworks that can incorporate securities laws from 180 different jurisdictions uh, around the world. And um, th that, that model, we do it through something that we call our rules engine. It makes it very easy to map in the, the uh, securities rules and save them as recipes. So this creates a framework by which legal teams from around the world can, can codify um, into machine-readable code effectively, but in a nice, easy-to-read format, the, the securities regulations associated with their government, and then um, reuse those recipes over and over again as they're attached to tokens and govern their behavior. Um, we're, we're, as I mentioned to you, we're working in the Middle East, and there's a particularly progressive regulator there um, in the ADGM who's actually piloting, building their regulations as machine-readable code, which we can actually take then directly inject into to govern the tokens themselves. What's so exciting about this is they can actually govern the behavior of their financial services network directly. And it, it is uh, a very powerful future that we're, we're talking about here to help shape and drive capital to where uh, the opportunity and, and where the need is is uh, yeah. most perfect. You were thinking about these things, obviously, um, long before the rest of us got there. Uh, in the very earliest days of the SEC starting to sniff around this community, you were thinking deeply about this. That's very interesting. I, I mentioned that only as an observation. I, um, you've got a big team on the order of 100 people now, um, a lot of super qualified people. Um, where did all the money come from? You, you're just barely starting to generate revenue. You must have raised some capital. Yes. So we are, you know, despite the size, we're a very lean organization uh, across the board. So almost all of our use of proceeds has gone to development of the product. Um, many folks don't know us precisely because we were uh, keen. We wanted to have the product to market, not market what the product would be. Uh, in, in this, it's just our nature. I'm a technologist by nature, come from uh, government settings, as you know. We were also too early in the market. Your observation is right. We, When I would talk about this three years ago, emphatically excited about how the world is going to need security tokens and how much this transforms finance, no one knew what I was talking about. They, they said, you know, what's wrong with Bitcoin? Um, and uh, so in, that forced us to be a very lean 
company. And we invested all of those proceeds in, in building out the capability, but now we have the capability and we're really beginning to show the world uh, what's, what's here. Where the money came from, you know, we, we started with a, a, a great friends and family round and we, we, rose, we were able to raise money in a number of different settings along the way to, to sustain operations. And so again, we've done that in a very quiet way as well, sort of hard work and gritty style. It sounds like you've raised relatively modest amounts of money, but uh, can you tell us how much that is in total? Yeah, it's, it's roughly $9 million. Um, it's, we, we have an open note now, and so we're in, in the process uh, of raising again that, that. That's why I'm not giving you a, a specific number, because it's changing pretty rapidly here. Um, we intend a, a, a significant equity round in the springtime as well. Um, I suspect, you tell me, I suspect that there are people in the crypto community who have accused you of blasphemy or treason uh, because of your adoption, your integration of regulation, because of the deep, frankly, you know, the, the, the foundation of crypto really was kind of a libertarian notion of <clears throat> circumventing government regulation in many respects. And so that, that spirit really pervades the, the crypto community. Am I wrong in thinking that people have made that accusation? And when they do, if I'm right, how do you respond? Yes, yeah, so this this was definitely a challenge early on as we came forward with this model, uh, emphasizing compliance uh, along the way. As uh, folks saw pure decentralization as the the solution to this, the the bottom line. Look, I'm, I'm actually a libertarian by nature uh, in, in terms of my approach to this. But even libertarians, uh, we, we recognize the importance of uh, some basic laws to to maintain good order. Um, in, in terms of the, the political mindset. And so it is. Governments have a responsibility to protect their citizens. They, they absolutely must. And what you see in, in environments where you, that are completely unregulated, early Bitcoin environments uh, were, were certainly, this was true, you saw it being a safe harbor for traffickers and launderers and other ne'er-do-wells uh, of all all sorts, the kinds of things that anyone, anyone objectively would say, that must be stopped. And so governments have a responsibility to do this. We believe in minimalist rules, so make the regulations, the, the rules that are there for a good reason, efficiently executed and enforced, such that they don't hold back idea and value creators um, in terms of their ability to innovate. Uh, in general. So that's that's a key balancing point. So what we say is decentralize as much as possible, but recognize that rules are important and just decentralize the enforcement of those rules. What's interesting is this, this model puts pressure back on governments. So when you can so effectively raise capital because you have the proper rules in place, you protect citizens and folks are able to invest in opportunity well, if you're in a government that hasn't embraced that speed, suddenly the investment in productivity goes elsewhere. Here in the US, 
It was that effective allocation of capital to opportunity that led to Silicon Valley, which resulted in a product, you know, a productivity uh, advance in the United States over other competitive nations. But if others gain that that competitive advantage of efficient allocation to capital, we will quickly lose our lead here in the U.S. And so it's a matter of if governments are inefficient with their regulations, the value will go elsewhere. So um, it, it quickly puts pressure on the governments to be as efficient as they can. We know that, so we've had frequent conversations with the SEC and they very much care about efficient capital formation. And so they wanna see the rules streamlined and enforced in a way that allows, that, that doesn't hold back the value creator, but at the same time, protects investors. So we, there is a balance out there. Uh, nothing is, there is no pure view on either side. Uh, and we're, we just happen to be pragmatists uh, wow. from the start. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. It seems to me that your, the issuers that can take advantage of your technology depend very much on the intermediary you partner with. Uh, the, the investment bank. So, so some people will be listening to this thinking, wow, I wonder if I can do this. Um, what guidance do you give them? Yeah, so this is why we use the term decentralized investment banking services, because we actually expect to make the investment banking world quite competitive by providing simple and easy rails by which someone comes on and performs the essential function, which is analysis and due diligence to protect investors by providing them all of the other tools and the baseline infrastructure so that the people who do analysis and due diligence best and most efficiently are given the rails to do so as a service to investors and issuers and in making driving down the cost so that it's not floors of compliance officers and accountants and heavy management who are actually all living off of the, the work of the analysts who are on one floor in the investment bank. Drive that down so that they perform those efficient services, again, to drive capital to opportunity. Can people in your vision of this, I think you think that in relatively short order, people will be able to trade Ford and GM on your, using your technology at some level. And give us a sense of whether I understand that correctly and then how that would happen. Yeah, um, so that's the, what we know is, is uh, driving and, and is happening fast is private equity. The things that aren't typically liquid at all where an investor comes in and is, ha faces a long lock-in period, and this includes for equity and startups, that's moving to this model precisely because it's easy to beat the, the way things were in the past. Um, there was no liquidity. And so now you're getting increased liquidity and that's a benefit to investors. Public offerings like shares of Apple already have that deep liquidity. The problem is the barrier to entry and the, and the cost in the tens of millions of dollars to be able to get to that point. In these new models, you can get many of the benefits of, of uh, those public markets without the cost in this. But we actually expect that just like any disruptive technology, these models will displace the incumbents and the incumbents models such that all value is now freely uh, is accessible to those who are qualified to hold it. It is legally transferred um, and efficiently transferred in, in these settings, but the, the services associated with investment banking are and and access to great investment opportunities is ubiquitous that's what's changing 
So I don't mean to put too fine a point on it, but do you see uh, in the short run a path for trading uh, tokens or maybe not tokens, but that represent shares of, you know, say, I, I'm trying to use old school names, so that we're not, I, I want to evoke the, you know, the, the old school companies like GM and Ford. Uh, do you see them trading on your platform in the near term, or is that more uh, a long-term thing? Yes. So, well, yes and no. So specifically, a well-known entity that's already publicly traded on, say, the New York Stock Exchange, there's little advantage. Once you're in that model and you've already gone through the process of, of being listed, um, we don't see much advantage, though there's actually interest in being able to have 24-hour trading um, by tokenizing certain interests and allowing those to trade on on. Um, 24 hour markets. There's some caveats and challenges to being able to do that with public offerings, but, but there is some modest demand there. Uh, we'll get there. Um, in, in the more short run, you have private offerings, uh, companies that have not yet gone public, and there are many, they're big um, companies that haven't gone public, whose shares will benefit from this liquidity. Sure. Well, fantastic. Dan, where did this idea come from? Uh, you obviously were thinking about this early. How did it? How did you come to this uh, before the rest of us? So, in, in looking at the blockchain space, um, and you know, I, I became enamored with with Bitcoin f fairly early on. Um, and in, in looking at the space, it was it was I couldn't practically predict where the price of Bitcoin was was going. It wasn't like I could put my kids' college education into uh, into Bitcoin, though I wish I had uh, at this point, but just not knowing, not having an investment thesis associated with it, um, it, it seemed too risky to me. So, uh, you know, as I really began to think about how I might take things that did have an investment thesis and bring them into the space, it was surprisingly easy to make the leap that a share can be a token. And once I made that leap and built out and showed that this could be done, um, it was, the, the rest was, wow, this doesn't just apply to real estate income streams um, or to, to traditional debt offerings or even to equity in a company. This is really everything that a security, a security is. And of course, when you see the size of that market, it, you know, they're, they're just in the hundreds of trillions of dollars. And of course, that had me excited enough to quit my government day job and, uh, and jump in head first. Oh, fantastic. Dan, uh, before you go, what's your superpower? We, uh, well, let me say this, it's, it's being honest into the market. That's a, that's a great question. Um, I, I, there's a great quote, I'm not gonna be able to paraphrase it, but we really live by these principles. If, if crooks knew how much more money you can make by being honest, people would give up being crooks and, uh, and pursue honest endeavors. It's the right way to live. Um, it's the right way to run a company. And uh, it, it really, it does not sacrifice the potential for income. In fact, it uh, increases your potential for income. So we live by these rules. That's our superpower. I know it's not a uh, it, it's not a, a profound superpower, but it is a good rule set. Yeah, I think it's very profound. Uh, Dan, before you go, would you take just a minute and tell people how they can learn more about Securency and how they can connect with you personally? 
Yes, great. Um, so we are at securency.com. So S-E-C-U-R-R-E-N-C-Y.com. Come check out our website for, for more details. And you can email us at info at securency.com. Fantastic. Well, Dan, thank you so much for being with us today. We wish you every success in helping to improve the financial markets. Thank, thank you, you, Devin. What a pleasure. All righty. Let's do some good. A Caring Crowd. We believe everyone has the power to make a difference. Through our crowdfunding platform for community health, we empower passionate people to drive real change. Whether you work for a nonprofit organization, volunteer, or want to get involved for the first time, you can post a campaign on Caring Crowd. Join us, because caring is where change begins. Thank you for listening. Devonthorpe's mission is to end extreme poverty, improve global health, and mitigate climate change before 2045 by finding and sharing the stories of those who are doing the most good. You can join with other listeners to accelerate Devon's mission by visiting helpdevon.org right now.